Good morning, everyone. What up, Tanisha? In 2008, my family took a vacation to Colorado. Canopy family. When you're in Colorado, what do you do? You hike. Yeah, some of you, I don't know. <laughs> There's some hiking. The, the Rocky Mountains are in Colorado. But they also have some valleys that have some crazy rivers. And if you're in Colorado and you want to do exciting, you go and whitewater raft. Okay, you could fish, but we didn't. We whitewater rafted. Now, if you know me for any time, I am deathly scared of water. I will take a shower. I don't take baths because then you got to get in it. But I take a shower. But when we were getting ready to get in this rubber raft, that I'm thinking this thing should be steel or something, we have a guide with us, and she gets in the back. And I'm like, oh man, like shouldn't she be in the front, take the brunt of something? And so she's kind of talking us through, three or four on this side, three or four on this side. And uh, there's going to be some smooth parts of this, but then what we're going to get to is what's called the white water. And there's different categories of this. And as we that's where you grab the paddle and you really go to paddling. And I'm like, well, this seems odd. Why wouldn't we paddle where it's really easy? To me, that makes sense. We want to go somewhere. It's not going very fast. You paddle. No, no, no. That's not how whitewater rafting works. I didn't know that. The problem is if you don't paddle during those rapids, big rocks, whatever else is in your way. So you dig. She's like, fight, fight. Fine, we're in there. I can't do this anymore. And here's a big rock, and she's like, okay, the left side. And we're going at it. I'm like, this is insane. She kept yelling at us. But when the water got calm, it was like, I didn't hear from her. We're just kind of floating, digging in a little bit. It's like white. When life gets when the circumstances of life seem the worst, you've got to fight. You've got to dig in. Valuable lesson learned back in 2008 from doing something that scared me to death. And I'm here to talk about it. Life never goes as we think it should. There's degrees of, of, of things going on at times and Sometimes I think of my life as I'm in a rowboat. And if you've ever been in a rowboat, I've got a one, just get holes. Or better yet, how many of you slept on a air mattress? They get holes, right? You try to plug them, they come back. Too many of us are on this river of life. And they're in a boat. We're trying to plug it. We're trying to plug it. We're, we're bailing water. A friend comes in. They try to help. The cold water's coming in. We might even feel numb to some degree. How many of you have been there in life? I think all of us have. We've been on the mountains sometimes, but in order to get to that next mountaintop, there's probably a valley there that we're going to be in. 
Have you had purpose? Had hope in life? And then somehow you've lost it. I was reading in the the book of John in, in chapter 10 and it hit me that Jesus is talking about this sheepfold and he's talking about that there's a people that try to enter it in different ways and he's the door to the sheepfold and at the end there he says I came to give you life and the life you have I want it to be abundant for you and I thought that's not what Satan wants for us though he wants to seek us out to kill us to destroy us then I was reading a a post that a friend of mine put on Facebook about her 15-year-old niece committing suicide and how devastated the family was. Then I I talked to some of you and I I realized how devastated sometimes your life can be and the depression, the anxiety that you deal with on a daily basis, that I deal with. The heartbreak is there and it seems to be only growing in our society. And who has the answer to why a 15-year-old girl would commit suicide? Was she sinned against? Was there abuse? Did she sin? Did she look at the world and say, is this all there is? I don't want to subject myself to this anymore. And a lot of times, we deal with those thoughts ourselves in anguish. I wonder, what causes our depression? What causes our anxiety? And a lot of times, I talk to people and they say, I feel a certain way. And, you know, feelings are kind of funny sometimes. And I trust my feelings once in a while, but most of the times I don't trust them. I have feelings of despondency or I get a pit in my stomach and trying to figure out why is that pit there and then an hour later I remember, oh, I've got that hanging over my head and I forgot about it for an hour. I looked at the Bible these last few weeks and I I look at Job. Job was a man that had everything to live for. And Satan went before God and says, can I have your servant Job? That's what happened. Job, everything was taken from him. Even his health was taken from him. He was a man that had everything. And everything's taken from him. And this is what Job says. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night that said, oh, a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. That night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shot of joy be heard from it. Skips down to verse 11 and says, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Have you been there and wondered why? And you can just keep reading 
devastated by his life and the circumstances he is in. He was a rich man. And a little bit of agony. No, not a little bit of agony made him relent even the day he was born. Then I looked at Elijah, a prophet of God. If you look at 1 Kings and look at his life, he made some really bold predictions in God. He said, you know what? It's not going to rain. And you know what happened? It didn't rain. God says, go to a woman and she's going to feed you. So Elijah goes and he comes to this widow who has a son and he says, I'm here for food. But it goes, oh, that's good. Because all I have is a little flour and a little oil. And after I make a cake for my son and I, we're going to go and die. Because that's all we have. Remember, it's not raining. Nothing's growing. Elijah says, no. God is going to fill that flour pot and that oil jar till it rains again. Go Make the cake and feed me. She does. And you know what happens? Flour and oil are filled till it rains. Elijah sees this. The woman did not perish. Next chapter. Prophets of Baal. And Elijah says, they're false. Build a monument. Make a sacrifice on it. Your God, if he's real, will burn that sacrifice up. I'll do the same thing. How about that? So they do. They build this altar. And these guys are out there all day chanting and praying to Baal. And you know what happens? Nothing. Now Elijah's feeling pretty good at this point, And he goes, okay, see what we can do here, God. Matter of fact, y'all... Gather all these jars and fill them with water. Pour them on this altar because I want it to burn up, right? That's the way to do it. This wasn't lighter fluid. This was water. He does this three times. You know what God does? God comes through and zaps that altar. The meat's gone. The water's gone. These are crazy things that Elijah sees. Then he goes out and slays 450 of these Baal prophets. Amazing mountaintop experience, right? You come to the next chapter, he runs for his life, and he says the exact same thing Job's saying. I wish I was dead. I cursed the day I was born. What is happening with all these men of the Bible? And then I look at Jesus. Jesus, we talk about his physical torture, him being crucified, his plucked out thorns on his head. But do we ever talk about his emotional torture that he went through? Being separated from his father. He went into some major spiritual and emotional depression when he's sweating great drops of blood. What was his mental state in those moments that would make you sweat great drops of blood. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He obviously knows 
If you are down what you are going through, because he had the greatest grief of all, knowing he would be separated from God, his Father. Amazing that our Jesus went through some down times in his life. Many physicians and psychologists would say that depression, anxiety is kind of strictly a disease or an illness. But on the flip side, many Christians would say it's sin. That's what it is. What if it's maybe some of both? We have bodies and our bodies are linked to our emotions and we are a spirit. And a lot happens when our brain misfunctions or we're telling ourselves something. I was in Wisconsin. We were visiting Ruth's family. Sometimes I have a hard time dealing with them. We get to the hotel room and... We sleep that night, and I wake up with a rash from my head to my toe. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with me? And I'm itching, and I have a rash. When I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. I was a sight to see, and it was real. I'm thinking, oh man, it's got to be these... uh, blankets or some who knew what slept in that bed before I got in there something happened so we get new new uh, sheets and all of that and we're there a couple days well the minute we take off from there you know what disappeared my rash what in the world it wasn't the sheet it was my mind how did that work but our minds control a lot and we don't even know it And so everything is affected by circumstances, by all these things of life. The old song is the neck bones connected to the, or the hip bones, I don't know. But there's a song about this. I know this. And so our bodies can have physical burnout. We can be tired. We can be afflicted like Job was. We can have pain. We can have diseases. We could work too much. We could have sexual compulsions. Our mind, can he be emotionally burnt out, tired? Maybe we're comparing ourselves to others. Maybe we've had anger. Maybe we've been verbally abused. Maybe we have bitterness that's not worked itself out. Then we have a spiritual component. Our very soul, maybe we're running from God. Maybe unfulfilled expectations that we thought was going to happen if I became a Christian. Maybe we're working for God. I did a lot of reading on Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher in the 19th century who battled and battled depression. By the age of 19, he had a church of 1,200 people. By the age of 22, they had outgrown everything and they had rented a hall, a music hall, that could seat 12,000 people. So 12,000 people would be seated. Another 12,000 would come for a second of three years and had grown this church. He was such a dynamic speaker. 
He had twins. He had married his sweetheart, one-month-old twins. And one Sunday, when quiet, somebody in that auditorium of 12,000 people yelled, Fire! Everybody went into a panic. Seven people lost their lives that day, and 28 people were seriously injured. Charles was devastated. The news of that time had wrote about it. And he was this dynamic preacher that got all the blame. That weighed on him most certainly. What weighed on him was these seven deaths. And these 28 people whose lives would never be the same. He would wake up in night terrors when he could sleep. He couldn't preach on end. He was devastated by life. And he fought that devastation, that desperation for where are you God? All his life he fought that. It never left him. But this is what he says. I am the subject of depression so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. But I always get back again by this. I know that I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in Him. And if He fails, I shall fall with Him. But if not, I shall not. This man fought. He dug, dug, and dug. It didn't go away. But he fought through it. He didn't feel, fuel his depression all the time, though sometimes that happened. But he fought every day of his life. So what do we do? What if I'm despondent? I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I'm tense. I'm angry. I'm worried. What do I do? God gives us promise in His Word. He says that He will finish the good work He has started in each one of us. He is working in you. You are a citizen of heaven. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, He will be with you. I have five things I want to lay before us today that we can do. Because some of us don't even know what's happening in our lives. Number one, learn to stop and recognize that something's going on. Some of us are a hundred miles an hour that we don't know that anything is actually happening to us because we are numb to life because we are going so fast. I was reading about a pastor who had to step back from ministry for almost a full year. He was loving life. He was traveling, speaking at conferences. He would get up early in the morning, go to bed late. Everything in his life, if you looked at it, was good. And from his point, it was good. But he didn't realize he was not God really wanted him to do. There was no Sabbath in his life. There was no retreat in his life. He was 100% always on adrenaline going. God put a stop to it. He had to get on medication because his adrenaline glands were going at 100% all the time. He couldn't figure out why he couldn't settle down. And it put him into the hospital. So this is not just for someone who actually thinks life is bad. This could be you who maybe thinks life is grand. 
but you're never spending time to stop and assess what is really going on in my life. And so we need to stop. We need to slow down. We need to hit the pause button of our life every so often and evaluate what is God doing in my life? What am I doing to my life? Number two, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, if you're tense, angry, fretting, it's helpful to figure out what am I anxious about? What am I depressed about? Maybe I had a relative pass. Maybe my bills come at me faster than my money does. Maybe I see injustice all around me. Maybe I've been a victim of a crime. Any number of things could be the cause to why you are the way you are. And I don't have time to list them because it takes take days. Do you realize if you put a list of what you're worried, what depresses you, make a list. See what's in your control. Because probably a lot of what's going to be on that list is completely out of your control. Yet we worry about those things. And I'm not saying don't care about certain things. But what I am saying is diagnosis does not cure anything. But try to figure it out. And you may not. You may not figure out why you're feeling the way you are. You may not be getting proper sleep. Eating well. Maybe you got a rash. I was despondent for a while. Number three, sometimes we have really good reasons to be depressed, to be anxious. Really good reasons. Maybe we've been abused. That's a pretty good reason. But we also have good reasons to trust God. Count those reasons. We need to be miners, mining in the Bible God's promises of why we can trust Him. Do you know God's promises? And if you don't, they're here. Mind them out. I used to love spelunking. How, how many of you know what that is? Going in caves, yes. That's not a common word nowadays. But going in caves and finding things. That's what you need to do with the Word of God. Pull it out. Mine His promises. Philippians 4 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Every promise that God gives you, He will tell you what He's going to do when you believe it. The God of peace will be with you. Jesus talks about, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough problems today. Deal with those. Four things when we're dealing with promises. Promises aren't magic. They're not magic. They're more like love, ladder, love letters or incantations. They're statements of truth. They're, they're not going to make you immune to what you're going through. But they are 
they are a path that you can travel on to get through, to enable you to endure what assails you. They're not going to maybe put a stop to it exactly, but they get you through it. So promises aren't magic. Promises may differ from your desires. You're valued by God and deeply valued by God, but don't get it twisted. He never said certain things that we say. Promises also, number three, must be promises. You can't take something that God did and claim it for your life possibly. So, God in His infinite power did what to the Red Sea when the Israelites went across it? Parted it, right? I guarantee you, no, I won't guarantee, but I dare say you go down to the Detroit River and somebody's chasing you you're not going to get to Windsor on... That's not a promise he made. Or if you're barren and you want children, you, you claim the promises of Hannah. That's not how that works. Now, Hannah's a beautiful story of faith and asking God for things, and he gave it to her. And so you can receive encouragement from those but God is not saying I'm going to open your womb because I opened Hannah's womb that's not a promise that he gave so promises aren't magic promises different from our desires promises need to be promises and our promises the promises that he gives return us back to Jesus that's what they're designed to do Look at what your Savior endured. Everything that was promised to Jesus, this man of sorrows, has come to pass. Said he was a man of sorrows, came to pass. It also said he would rise again and be victorious. It happened. It should turn us back, our eyes, our focus back to Jesus. He understands. Back to those things which we can do. Number four, have an honest conversation with God. Have an honest one. Don't have one of these, Thou greatest God in heaven, I hope you receive glory through... Now if that's real, okay. But most of the times when we're going in the valley, that is not how we're feeling. That is not an honest conversation with God. Trust me handle anything you have to tell him and you should tell him job says a lot job says a lot to god god was big enough to handle god told job a few things but god honored job in the end listen to what in the end of the book of job god says after the lord had said these things to job Told Job what was up. He said to Job's partners, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me. So be careful when you're honest with God. As my servant Job has. 
So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Whoa! So these dudes, couldn't pronounce their names, so I'm saying dudes, did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. How gracious is our God to hear you out. For you being honest with how you feel. But be careful you're truthful about Him. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. What a gracious God we serve. Number five, get to living life. We can't fear this life. We have to live it. There's an old saying, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Right? It's a true statement. We can't live life on ifs and buts. We must fight. We must fight and not add fuel to our fears of what this life is bringing us. We must There's things I want us to take away that we can do physically, emotionally, spiritually to help us when we are in a depression, when we are dealing with anxiety, we're dealing with, let's say, life. We can get up in the morning. That's a first step, right? If God grants us that, let us do that. Get up in the morning. We need to take responsibilities for what the day has in front of us. That's easier said than done, I know. Maybe we can all eat well. That's half our problem in today's society. We eat crap. Well, not half, but it's a lot. You wonder why certain kids are depressed. They're eating junk food and pop. They're not getting vitamins. Our brain needs vitamins to function well. Minerals. We live such sedentary lives that we need to actually maybe get up and exercise. Some of us should get off the couch. That can help our spirit right there. Get a proper amount of sleep. When you go to bed, put your phone away. Don't look at it at 3 o'clock when you're an old man and you got to go to the bathroom because you're going to it for another hour. Get proper sleep. Stay away from alcohol and drugs dealing with that. All it's doing is maybe numbing you to really what's going on. Some of us just need to go to the doctor too. Some of us just need to go to the doctor too. We'd go if we had cancer, wouldn't we? There's something mental happening. We're too proud. Emotionally, mind. Be vulnerable with a few people around you. You don't have to make that, that 
big wide lake of a got to tell everybody about my issues but have a, a connected circle that you can talk to that you can process things with don't hide from community be a part of other people's lives maybe dadgummit just get off social media and stop watching the news I know that helps me mentally sometimes. So much is coming at me, and I start to care about it all, and I get overwhelmed. I go, is anything going to happen in this life? Where is God? Maybe you need to get counseling. Some of us really need counseling. Don't be afraid of it. Discipleship. And then some of you need to renew your mind by getting into nature. You're in a cubed building all day. God created this beautiful nature. Maybe you just need to go to some park, Belle Isle, whatever. Get into nature. Some of you need to retreat from people. Maybe you're around people too much. Get away. Jesus got away with his father renewing his mind why are you any different get a routine i'm a guy who hates routine but maybe you need to get a routine deal with your mental state and spiritually deal with your soul read your word the bible read it mine it it's there god has given you this gift He's speaking to you through it. Read the Word. And as we've been talking about the last few weeks, pray to Him. Be honest in your prayers to Him. Talk to Him. Journal your journey. It's always good to look back on what God has done in your life to see where you were and where you are now. Because you know what? You may end up back there. And more than likely, you will end up back there at some point. Journal your journey, maybe. Discipleship and love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor, yourself. Attempt to. Anxiety and depression can become beautiful doors to deepening your faith and the substance of your faith. Some of you may not have had your faith even tested, even tried. Depression will try your faith. Anxiety will test your faith. And it leads to some beautiful places when you see, I have real, real faith. This is not a placebo that I'm living with. Jesus is real. The Spirit is working in me. The second door can lead to other beautiful things of loving people at a level that you may not even have thought possible because of what you have been through and what you're going through. A comfort that you can give others because of the depression that you have faced. Stop listening to yourselves and start talking to yourselves. I was driving the other day and Clayton Clay were with him, and they told me a story. A truck hit a bike 
guy on a bicycle and threw him off. He landed on the ground. That's kind of weird. So I've got two teenage sons. Now, I could sit there and listen to myself, so every time they go out, it's like, man, they're going to get in a crash. Or they're, when they're riding their bikes somewhere, oh man, somebody's going to But I can also talk to myself going, God is there. God is there in the real time. Or I could listen to myself going, you know what, if I walk this street today, something bad's going to happen to me. Or I can talk to myself. Going, this is where God has put me. I need to live my life. We need to talk to ourselves and stop listening to ourselves and putting thoughts in our heads that are not of God. But so you're a friend. Now what? Your friend's depressed. What do I do? I'm not depressed. I'm good. And so many times when we're dealing with a friend who is in depression, what, is, what do we want? We want them back to normal. Come on. The friendship's not fun now. It's really weighing on me. We get all selfish and encumbered by their needs. Well, deep problems don't have quick solutions. Deep problems do not have quick solutions. We need to be patient. And walk with people. And don't have the wrong goal when you're trying to fix someone that you want relief from their depression because it's depressing you. You want them to go back to a normal life because you're inconvenienced. You should want them to have hope in God at the end of the day. That should be our goal, for them to have hope in God. So, If I have a friend who is dealing with depression, anxiety, just a few things, and there's probably a million things, but number one, don't judge others according to your circumstances, but according to theirs. Now, life may be going grand for you, and you're like, buddy, my life's great. Why are you depressed? Well, I don't have your life, for one. Maybe I'm not in good health. I'm feeling like garbage. And you just ran a marathon three days ago and you're all revived. So stop judging others according to your circumstances. But according to theirs. And then think, what would my life be like if I was walking in their shoes? Now you don't know, but have empathy, sympathy. Number two, don't think a trite word fitly spoken will heal a a deep wound. A trite word fitly spoken doesn't heal jack. Number three, don't act like you have all the answers. You don't need to answer every question. Because sometimes that leads down a really bad path. You think you've got to answer, answer every question for someone. Number four, do listen. Be slow to speak and quick to hear what is going on with your friend? Number five, pray for them and pray for yourself to have wisdom in dealing with someone. Pray for that wisdom, the Holy Spirit wisdom to invade and pray for them. Also, number six, 
find out depression anxiety if you've never dealt with it do some research real research i'm saying don't just google you can find a million things online do some real research number seven don't ignore the issue and talk about everything else in life but on the flip side when you're with that person don't just talk about that all the time that can get depressing for that person it's like yeah i know i've got I'm depressed but good grief I'm more than just depression today. Have a balance. Number eight, you don't need to be their Savior. They already have one in Jesus Christ. You don't need to be their Savior. They have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Point them to Jesus. And I know guilt and shame is up in depression and People feel that. That's why they don't want to come forward. That's why they don't want to tell you. They don't want to be judged. But understand if you're dealing with guilt and shame, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, the world is broken, but God is fixing it. God is going to fix it. One day we have a blessed hope that we will be eternally in His presence. He said, wipe away every tear from their eye do you realize you will have relief from what you are going through we have hope i was reminded as brother altman was praying this morning that the joy of the lord is our strength and thank you for praying that brother joy does not replace depression but it gives it meaning as it weaves its way through your depression. It gives it meaning. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Be there for that. So what are you hoping in? What is your purpose in this life? The best and the only hope that will not fail is our hope in God that He will make all things new in His time. He will renew you even. He will give you a new body. Can you imagine? Some of you all think your body's that great? Nope. You're going to have a new body. You will have a new mind. He will fix what's broken. Will you choose to believe God? Believe God's character. Believe it even in the darkness. Will you believe in God's works? What He has done for you? Do you have something in your past right now that you can hearken back to? And then He will do it again because He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. In your despair, worship this God and have faith. The word believe means to trust, love, and obey Him. We need the same gospel that brought us into the kingdom today if we're dealing depression as the same gospel that got us there. Is your trust in Christ and His work on the cross to remove your sins as East is from the West. Is your eyes on Him? Too many of us 
I was going to make a political joke, but I don't think I will. Um, I'll, well, I'll tell you what it was. So, <laughs> so how many A01 means? Audience of one. Jesus Christ is our audience. He said, too many of you have your eyes on AOC versus AO1. AOC, if you don't know who she is, Google her. Um, but that's the way we get. We get our eyes on everything in this world. The politics. The culture wars. All of these things, that's what our eyes are fixated on versus the audience of one that should consume us. Because God is the only thing at the end of the day that matters. Choose to fight. Don't add fuel to your fears. Who remembers the story of Peter walking on water? God told him, Jesus said, come here. He starts to walk on water. And what does he do? He looks at the circumstances around him. And what happens to Peter? He starts to sink. His eye was on Jesus. He was headed that direction. And he took his eye off and put it on the circumstances around. And I know sometimes you can't help. Sometimes the circumstances are so devastating that they, they devour your soul. But put your eye on Jesus. He will make all things new. He will do it. And Peter looked at the storm around him and started to sink. But Jesus had him. Jesus had him in the end. Listen to Psalms 116 as we close. This is David, who had so many issues in his life. People wanted to kill him. He sinned against God. He was sinned against. But listen to this. I love the Lord, for the Lord heard my cry for mercy. Because He turned His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me! The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm I said, everyone is a liar. When shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His faithful servant. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and I will call on the name of the Lord. 
in the presence of his people in his courts, the house of the Lord in the midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is for all of us. Let that scripture wash over you. If you need to repent of some fuel that you've been putting to your fears, we have a team that wants to pray with you, that wants to pray through that with you. If you want to confess before God, you need to befriend that person who maybe you've put off that's dealing with depression. Come and talk to them, pray with them. But Kimberly and Lawrence are here to pray with you through whatever you're going through. If you need to talk this week, please talk to Pastor Charles, Pastor Mike, or myself. We want to walk you through what it means to have victory and live a life more abundant.